0: Let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor?
1: Hello there and welcome to a special episode of Pivotal Film. The
0: first special episode we've planned from the get-go.
1: On purpose special. This wasn't a long A block that we were like, oh shit, we need to make this another episode. It's one of those ones that we didn't know. Those ones we didn't know were going to be special until we realized they were special. This one we know is, is special. I don't know. When outset. we walked out of A Star is Born, we're like, maybe
0: we might want to talk about this for an excess. But it's a still, different yeah.
1: kind of special. It's special bad Mario. Yeah. This is special, just interesting and different. Um, For the most part, good, I think. We're going to, we're calling these Doc Blocks, or you had another idea, right? Uh, Doc
0: with Us was the alternate title. We're going to put this on Twitter. Yeah. Um, and poll. I mean, we might disregard the votes of the poll, but you know what? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> you, you're, you'll be one of our three votes.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: Actually, we'll give, you, we'll give you guys two. Yeah. Okay. We'll give you guys two votes.
1: We may, uh, we're just going to talk about documentaries. Um there was a it was a big summer for it's a really uh, big I think
0: maybe the biggest year for documentaries in terms of box office receipts and s- the, the public perception of documentaries. Mm, there were yeah. three documentaries that I believe broke 10 million dollars domestic. Mm-hmm. a fourth potentially on its way. Um
1: Ugh, was that? my, the Michael Moore movie?
0: Oh no. Uh Free Solo. Oh, Freesilla
1: right, right, Viper. that's true. That's true.
0: um a uh, we're going to be talking about all three of those today. Yeah. All four, Four actually.
1: of those, yeah. Um um but yeah so let's you know settle in for a long conversation about uh documentaries and
0: if you don't like documentaries keep listening cuz you know what there's a documentary for everyone.
1: Mhm that's that's the slogan for the doc block or yeah. doc, doc with us.
0: The... Not what's up doc cuz there's probably copyright issues. Oh that's true. Yeah. All right we'll be right back. Up. Yep. So the first documentary we want to talk about is the only short documentary of the discussion today. It is the uh, recent Netflix release of Notes from New Blaine, Lessons from a School Shooting. My dear Monsignor Bob, my name is Monsignor Basil O'Sullivan, an Irish priest living in Dunblane, Scotland, where we had a similar tragedy to yours. Good evening.
1: It is a tragedy without
0: precedent. Happened in 1996. Happened on Wednesday. 13th of March, 25 minutes to 10, if you want to know the answer.
1: Dear Monsignor O'Sullivan, I have not been sleeping well. My mind never stops. Dear father, for about a year or two years, the the very sight of a five-year-old would make me cry. This is one of those moments where presence is the answer. Just got to be there and try to help people fix it for themselves.
0: Which details the letters... um, passed back and forth between Father Bob Wise in the wake of the two thousand twelve um uh, Newtown school shooting. He's mm-hmm. a Newtown uh minister, and Father Basil O'Sullivan, um, who was a Scottish minister who experienced a similar tragedy in Dublin, Scotland mm-hmm. in March of nineteen ninety six. Um <clears throat> this basically kinda of be- ends up being a social commentary on the senselessness of violence in some extent. Uh yeah it's it's only about 22 minutes long. Um what were your thoughts on it?
1: Um I thought it could have been longer.
0: Yeah, it feels like a, it feels like it should be a feature.
1: Um I thought it could have had more I think thought it could have could have had less um direct commentary on gun control. Um only from this... Not that I'm not pro-gun control, um, but I didn't see this movie as needing to go directly into the gun control stance. I also thought it could have had more... Had made more of a point of really dealing with the specific ways in which faith heals or has the ability to heal or has the ability to bind us. I think that was... Assumed in, in the nature of the documentary. I, I, I didn't really get that. But I feel like it could have, they could have gone deeper with it. They could have gone um, further in, w- with the exploration of how, how Faith helps in the wakes of, of these tragedies.
0: See, to me, I, I share a lot of similar opinions. I really do enjoy this documentary, it, but it's, it does feel too short. Um, I think both of these men are really forward with their rawness. And I wanted to see that explored more. Um, Basil O'Sullivan, you know, definitely had, has a separation of time, but there's still like those the weight of it with the community. Uh, but the moment that that you know ruined me um, in this film, and and just just the rawness and the apparentness and and the the absolute vulnerability, is when Bob Wise is talking about um, being allowed to do the funerals. Oh, you yeah,
1: meet you. I wrote. I and that jumped out at me as well.
0: And and the fact that you know he he says it with 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 a certainty, then he repeats it like he wasn't thinking about it. He hadn't thought about that, and just starts choking up. And I had to rewatch that part several times just because there's a real raw vulnerability to it. And I, I think the exploration of of violence, and I, I think a better point in terms of like the, the conversation about gun control and the conversation about the senselessness. Of school shootings or fucking shootings in general mm-hmm. um is is about these two men who you know you know basil of had more of a personal relationship to it but these two men who were slightly more removed from the immediate danger mm. of it um but the ways in which it totally unraveled their lives as well and, and, and which works has a has a moment in time that defines their experience from here on out. Well, and I think those two men do had that ability as yeah. narrators of the film to kind of like say that. And I think it would have made the points that the movie was trying to make much more profound if they were allowed to speak more on. Uh, well,
1: I think one of the things that I found most profound about the idea that their lives kind of unraveled by this, yet they were so far removed from the actual physical
0: violence. And still had a responsibility to the people who were right there in yeah,
1: the is Yeah, is... Uh, It is, um, the depth of faith required to think that way about these situations, um, the depth of faith to be so ruined that you have to check into a a, a psychiatric facility for a month to deal with post-traumatic stress of a situation you were not specifically individually involved in, um, They both of these men care so deeply for these communities and for you know the individuals in the communities, and thus they were called to their service by that. And that's significant. And I'm not like a Christian. um, You know, I grew up with it, but I don't deal with it anymore. Um, Um, I'm still am, but but I can see more of the humanist side of it. I can see. So that's it's interesting that we can kind of both see it from you know each other's side. Is that like I can see how this. Is one of those situations where there would be value in, in that, and these, the va- that faith in these two men is supremely valuable, and it kind of skirted around it instead of like diving directly into it. I also would have liked to have seen more of a juxtaposition between how each community like dealt with it specifically. So mm. when um, Father Basil's in. Um, he's in Scotland. He's in a, a cemetery. It looks like, but it almost looks like there's a specific monument. The all these children are buried in specific, like a specific spot. Um, I wondered if that happened with um, the Sandy Hook shooting. Are is each child buried individually according to the family plots or the family wishes, um, or is, you know, is there something like what I perceive to be? in Scotland, like a kind of national monument to, like, this this tragedy, this, like, supreme loss. And I can't even think of a monument dedicated. I mean, I, I know they
0: just have things with the, the remembrance gardens yeah, and of the new school.
1: And I don't know. And that's, I think that's one of the interesting things that could have been explored, is how that stuff and I think, is dealt with.
0: I think something that skirted upon that would have been more interesting, especially with the fact that this film's trying to make a very profound gun control argument and, and the ways in which both societies communicate with those tragedies is uh, their personal responses to how the world's responded to it. You know, like they, they talk quickly about how the United Kingdom quickly took action uh, in terms of exemplifying gun control. And, you know, here in Connecticut, which we're recording from, you know, there, there was action done quickly to, to do it on a state level, but on a federal level, there was a real resistance um, well, and I, I kind have, of want to see like the still like the, the 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 views of society and the views of the personal experience told to these two men because these two men, like I said, make very captive narrators.
1: Well, and I think that I think one of the things that I would encourage um, the, the the filmmakers to do is to branch out from here. I mean, Father Bob seems like a very charismatic character that I wouldn't mind. Or Father Basil in the same way that I wouldn't mind following around the world, talking to other there's an earnestness people. to what they're right there's an
0: earnestness and and like I said vulnerability to where they could get a conversation they're real it. they're yeah. real
1: people and I didn't there there's nothing, no pretense right I would have been inter- I would be interested to find out you know we talked about twenty two July earlier I'm assuming that some of those kids you know had real ties to you know a, a church and that there was. Um, a, a, a minister or, or a priest or whatever that you know would have something to say about their response to that. Like, how does one's faith, specifically someone whose job it is to be faithful, like how do they grapple with these kind of um, like mega tragedies? Or, these, you know,
0: even on a even on a uh a proto level from that people whose job it is to engage so intimately with the community yep. but not on a political level.
1: Well that's and that was a fascinating thing that Father Bob said also that like he told his parishioners that he was not going to be available for counseling for a little bit because he was just too broken up to even to you know deal with it appropriately. Mm-hmm. Um you know there's there's a fascinating idea here I just don't know if it was executed. It, it you can't execute it in 22 minutes. Right.
0: Um, I do hope, I, I think there's a lot of proficiency in the filmmaking. A lot, like, it's edited smartly. I mean, it's not, it's something really, I'd say, we might both agree worth watching. Um,
1: yeah, check it. I mean, it's... it's but it is... It is a, it's a bummer. A, a, proof if,
0: of, a proof of concept, I yeah, guess, but so if,
1: much. And if you swing that way, you'll really get something out of it. And even if you don't, it will It's not going to change
0: any minds, though.
1: It's not going to change any minds, no, because nothing changes anybody's minds ever, but... Um, it's it's nice to see, and especially with you did change my mind that Lawrence
0: Kasdan could have been a decent director with your accidental tourist choice. There you go.
1: Um, if you know, in relation to some of the movies we're going to talk about, like later in this in this um, special episode, sp- special episode, um, there seems to be an inherent lack of of kindness and unpretentious love in like our society. It's. It's good to see it. No, exactly. you know what I mean. It's, yeah. And it it's feels good to to see this kind of global coming together over something so terrible, but that you know something positive can come out of it.
0: No, exactly. And it's it there's a bit of a heartwarmingness to to the fact of these two men dealing with it in the best way they can. Yeah. On a conversive note,
1: conversive on a different. Nope. We're gonna take. Yeah, we're gonna to go to a. To, we're gonna. We're gonna slide into
0: our features in a different direction here. And the first um, first feature, we're gonna talk about
1: uh, is boy. the um, much discussed and um, critically beloved documentary called Three Identical Strangers. People ask me, what is the most remarkable story you ever encountered? I tell them it's the story of the triplets. You guys have been on the front page of every newspaper in the world. True. True. They were more like clones than they were like brothers. It was a miracle. There was nothing that could keep us apart. That's when things kind of got funky. It is directed by Tim Wardle. Documents the meeting of three identical twins who were separated at birth. Named Edward Gallen, David Kelman, and Robert Shafrin. Um, and the things that they discover about their separation as their life together progresses. So all three boys um, were separated at birth. Um, we were adopted by Jewish families via the the Louise Wise adoption agency. Um, Happenstance puts these three boys together. They become kind of like a cottage industry of tripletness, or whatever that means. I mean, this is in the seventies, right? In the eighties. Yeah, early
0: um, early eighties.
1: When Donahue was still packing stadiums-sized buildings and... and Is he dead? Donahue? (laughs) I don't know. Um, Is he still married to Connie Chung? (laughs) I don't know. No, he's not married to Connie Chung. He was married to Connie Chung. I think Uh, he was married to Connie Chung. Maybe he was. Um, When, you know, the New York tabloids would publish pictures of three triplets out on the town drinking in matching... Mr. Bubble t- Oh, no, Mory Povich is not married to... Kind of there you go. Maury Povich. No, and he's not in this movie, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. I feel like it would have been a better You movie are the Maury... brother,
0: and you're also the brother.
1: <laughs> you are the brother, and you're also the father. <laughs> um, as the movie progresses, uh, this movie inexpertly um, kind of drops these bombshells right as the movie starts to slow down. So... The, move, the, the twins weren't so innocently separated at birth they were um, their separation was manipulated by a psychiatrist named Peter Neubauer who had an idea to study uh, um, the nature versus nurture question on triplets placed in very specific families that had already been um, had a daughter placed with them as a kind of control no. to determine how they would be as families. Um so they were broken up, you know, by socioeconomic status, by temperament of the parents, um and then studied throughout the years under the guise of an adoption agency, just, you know, child study, like just checking in to see how the, the children are are, are are doing. Um this was apparently done on a fairly large scale. Um, in the sense that it's not just these three brothers. It was um, a set of uh, twin girls that are in the movie. Um, and they, you know, the they ending reveals that, that a there's a bunch of there people that
0: who still don't even know they have twins. There's so also
1: they... this question that kind of comes out of nowhere about um, the idea of mental illness, that were they taking... And it's... we'll talk about this in a second, but everything this movie has done... With questions, there's no answers in this movie. Um, Were they looking at... Well, the answer is, is
0: this a good movie? And the movie answers it with no. Right.
1: Um, But just... just, So for people that are listening, (laughs) um, there's a question raised about the idea that maybe they took kids from parents that had a mental illness or a history of mental illness to see if in a certain home environment that mental illness would, you know, come to fruition in the children, or if it could be kind of nurtured out of them, or what have you. Um, the, the hook in this movie is that one of these three brothers ends up killing himself because he seems like he has a fairly severe case of manic depression, um, which their mother also had, um, which they didn't know about, um, which the th- other two brothers seem to also have had but that the movie doesn't even though the movie details our childhood in you know ad nauseum in the beginning of the movie all of a sudden three quarters of the way through the movie oh yeah we were really hard kids to deal with because of our potential mental illness problems and i think i think that's the biggest
0: problem with this movie um we both do not this is the only documentary we're going to talk about where both of us do not like it in any way whatsoever um this this movie has no narrative framing. It 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 wanders, often from point to point, never settling on a point and answering in the service the questions though, it brings up,
1: of, which I find more problematic in the service of, like these bombshell moments, where they're withholding this information from you just so they can like drop it on you later, and so you'll be like,
0: <gasps> really? Yeah. And That so early on, it, it's mentioned that you know they, they found each other at nineteen. They were. Well, there are three, you know, three different brothers, as mm-hmm. we said, and the fact that all their sisters were twenty-one. And early on, in the film it mentions how, uh, you know, um, I believe it's Tom Brokaw, you said,
1: yeah,
0: who mentions like coincidentally, just not only they like the same types of cigarettes, but they all have, you know, sisters who are also adopted or one year older, <laughs> and that raises mm-hmm. to anybody listening to the story that raises so many red flags. Which, but it's not but it's... they don't bring it back up for
1: an hour. Yeah. Um, gonna, gonna I was just going to say the exact same thing.
0: Yeah, yeah and, and, and that's the thing. Like, even the arguments of, of manic depression um, and mental illness kind of get skirted over really quickly to go back to the point of the study. Before then going to the, the, the thesis of, you know, there might be other people out there, do you not know they have twins, um, that might still be have undiagnosed issues or whatnot. But it's, it's cemented between this discussion about the study itself yeah, a- and, and there's just so much in here where it's edited with such extreme discare for, for telling a, a compelling, sensical story. I
1: mean, you could argue that it's edited with put together with discare for, you know, the individuals that it's documenting. I mean, they're almost using the story of these brothers just to make... Um, you know they they are taking what is an interesting idea and um, using these people and these people's stories just to kind of make a cool documentary you know what i mean to like show like an interesting idea for a documentary i mean the whole thing is so manipulative it manipulative it It kind of feels gross by the end of the movie.
0: And it's frustrating because it really is a fascinating story.
1: But it's a fascinating story with literally no answers. Like, nobody knows anything. And I guess maybe at the end of the movie, because of the movie, it says... Or because of the movie was getting made, it says that they they gave um, the surviving brothers, David and um, Robert, access to the documents, but that but a lot like, of the documents were redacted, and they don't really know anything, and it's like
0: blah, blah, But that's like, wait to release the documentary, then. If, if that's the case, like, wait till you get some of those answers about, like, at least what the study was about and the purpose, or maybe some of the, the results that weren't published. Maybe wait till you get that so you can provide some narrative. Well,
1: so, I mean, so that's, I mean, one of Which the... Which
0: is, big... that's, that's not even the biggest problem. I, no, I want to discuss my biggest problem that's soon on
1: this. the big... My big problem in this movie is kind of that exact thing. So, the whole movie brings up only questions which i guess maybe if done correctly is fine but there's no there's no answers to anything because the people that they have they talked to the two people that they talked to that um were in any way associated with this study no very limited things about it in regards to like what was the overall point what was the the full scope um what were the conclusions that were drawn? They have no information on any of that. The all the uh, to that point, this movie also has no. There's no experts to back up anything that is happening here at all.
0: Yeah, the, the the head of the study,
1: Peter Neubauer, is dead. He's dead. But there's not even they didn't even put any like child psychologists in here to talk about, you know the idea of nature versus nurture and the idea of kind of um, like, you know, child attachment during um, you know, infancy and like the effects that that might have on um, children or... Yeah, the
0: closest you get is that research assistant who's the one willing to talk about it, who's now you know, a psychologist, psychiatrist but they don't really
1: say what he's... And he's just kind of telling you what he thought what he... He Thought in the moment. At the moment. He's not telling you, and I don't think he would be able to tell you... um, some of the uh, the the broader ideas that are at stake here, um, and so you're left with a kind of a sort of spooky, you know, anti-bureaucracy kind of Big Brother feeling about the whole thing. And I don't even know if that's the case See, per that's, se.
0: That's that is problematic to me from a narrative standpoint. That that you know it's. It doesn't answer any questions. It's messy. I can take that because there's a lot of documentaries that I've seen that have been not very well done. Mm-hmm. My problem with this is, in an attempt to find the antagonist or in an attempt to find some sort of narrative frame, they paint a lot of people as villains who can either not speak for themselves because they're dead, such just the Peter Newbauer. They mm-hmm. can't even get a. They don't even cause a discussion of science at the time. Versus now, there's also some really messy framing yep. in the fact that they say, I think you believe that, I think you were to mention that David, I think, says something like this is as bad as like Nazism or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they quickly mention how Peter Neubauer was a survivor of the Holocaust. And there's like this messy kind of um, duality, not duality, but there's a messy like parallelism there that is gross. But the biggest problem I have is the beating down on Eddie's father. Yeah, that oh, fucking terrible. It, pissed, it it made yeah. me mad. Like, like this, this man, you know, they, they tell a story and I can't remember his father's name. I didn't, I didn't write it down, unfortunately. Um, but I talked to him about like his experience when he found out about his death and, you know, the other two parents are kind of like, one's kind of the, the upper class parent was kind of, the father was kind of absent, but gave as much love as he could, Mm -hmm. um, they do a lot of digging down into David's father about being like that really blue collar loving father who like they all said loved, I want yeah. take all three of them yep. in I love them all and then they just beat down this man who's still 20 year 20 25 years after the fact still raw oh my yeah friend. and he's like a ruined he's like a ruined man yeah he he points he's like I was I was standing over there when I heard the news and I told my wife and we just sat there crying yeah and he's like they 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 they're you know they they make the narrative point of him saying, "I was a strict authoritarian, and unfortunately, I was a strict authoritarian to my children." But and then, it's like then they're like, "Yeah," because it is
1: because you nurtured him wrong. Well, I think the problem and the, and to an extent, and the problem know? with that is that the people that say right after that, and it, you know, this isn't this movie didn't grow out of the ground fully formed. Like someone had to fucking make this, so someone made a choice, and they showed a non-scientist say oh I believe it's nurture I believe and then they you know show one of the the brothers be like oh I think it was you know he was too hard on him you, you know I think it was him and it's like what the hell do you even know yeah. about anything like that's fucking bullshit
0: this guy was able to I mean
1: I, I, we don't know the story
0: we don't know the story we know the story that was presented to us I mean Eddie was able to meet up with his brothers they were you know they joked around they were able to like have a restaurant for a while then the problems rose from there but it's like they they make this narrative point of saying like, oh, if he wasn't in this household, maybe things would have ended up different. Right. well It's then, like,
1: come on. And part, and part of the problem is that they don't ever take into consideration the idea. So if like these guys are prone to um, either uh, depression or um, manic depression um, or just, you know, bouts of, of acute mania or whatever, um, these things are generally brought on by traumas. So... If he's predisposed to it, maybe the trauma was not, you know, his childhood, which seems maybe like it was not the easiest, but okay, but fine. Um And instead is brought on by the fact the anxieties of having met three or two people that look exactly like them that he, that he didn't know existed. And then finding out within, you know, a year or so of meeting those brothers that, like, your whole childhood had been, manip- like, a manipulation um, for science. Like, maybe that's the trauma. They don't talk about the idea that, like, maybe these kids experienced trauma when they were separated from their, bro- like, from their twin brothers. Um, they don't talk about any of that stuff. They just lay his suicide and his, like, psychic collapse on the feet of the fact that his dad had a lot of rules. His dad had a lot of rules where another dad had, like, no rules and was fun. Which is totally disingenuous and bullshit and bad science. Um, And it stinks in the sense that the only expert in this movie is pitched as Lawrence Wright, who was a journalist and who was writing a story from The New Yorker, who doesn't know anything more than anybody else knows about anything. But he's the expert witness to all of this stuff. Um, I, just, I don't really get what anybody. I'm assuming that people are just responding to like the crazy nature of uh, you know the broader story, right? I mean, that's yeah. the only thing it could be because as a documentary, it fucking stinks. It, it's bad. It's it's
0: irresponsible in a lot of in any ways, um, in the way it presents its subjects, and just from a narrative standpoint, it's it's an absolute failure. Yeah. But now we'll be positive for the last three films. Yay! Uh, do you want to start with R.B.G.? Yeah. So, um, you know, the... I did not see this, unfortunately. Um, not rocking the not rocking the Ginsburg shirt. Yeah, we're, we're not, not
1: super excited about on the basis of sex. We're not watching. Yeah, which I forgot was coming out. Um, so R.B.G. is uh, directed by Betsy West and Julie Cohen and uh, documents the life of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. We welcome today Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She's become such an icon. Would you
0: mind signing this copy? I am 84 years old and everyone wants to take a picture with me.
1: Notorious <laughs> R. B. G. Yeah, yeah. When you come right down to it, the closest thing to a superhero I know. Ruth Bader Ginsburg changed the way the world is for American women. It has currently made... Um, over $14 million at the box office. Um, I think it's f- pretty much out of everywhere, but you can see it on Hulu and other places where you stream movies. Um, it is excellent in a lot of ways. It um, is more than competently made. Um, it looks good. It sounds good. You get a lot of good stuff. Um, new interviews with Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Um you get a lot of good interviews with um, a lot of the people that knew her as a child, as a uh, as a lawyer, um, as a law student, as, um, you know, a Supreme Court justice. I mean, you get, like, you get lots of interviews with Orrin Hatch, um, who, you know, she didn't see eye to eye with, but who respected her a great deal. Um, Anthony Scalia's son, um who regards her you know exceedingly highly and you know she famously had a, a, a fairly profound but interesting friendship with um, Scalia, even though they saw you know constitutional issues from complete opposite sides. Um, you get lots of interviews with her kids with her grandkids. Um, it is it hits all the buttons. It is an exceedingly well made. Documentary that um will make you feel either really awesome about you know where our country is going and what it kind of has accomplished to a point or it'll make you feel like total garbage like this stuff isn't possible anymore because Neil Gorwish just wrote someone the, just keeps kicking you in the yeah. fucking balls um Neil
0: Gorwish just wrote an opinion trying to say about how senior officials should be exempt from. Depositions. So
1: mm, I wonder why he wrote that.
0: Yeah, I wonder why. Um, About the Commerce Secretary.
1: I think my only problem with this movie is that it it is bookended by this kind of um, R B G pop cultural fever, which seemed to take over America a few years ago, um, where she became kind of. Uh, I don't know a merchandising icon. I mean, in
0: in the wake of of Donald Trump's election, yeah, um, you, which, know, you know, America was looking for that that symbol of of woman empowerment, right. and she she became you know, with Sandra Day O'Connor being fairly conservative, and also out of that yeah. position, she's the highest position of authority yep. in, of a woman,
1: um, which is totally fine. My problem is that you
0: reduce her to that. You sort should of? have
1: been, yeah. You, and that we should have been putting Ruth Bader Ginsburg on T-shirts back when she was arguing cases in front of the Supreme Court, you know, um, and literally changing <clears throat> the laws that legislated how women and minorities were treated in this country.
0: Um, I Changing yeah equal employment the, laws exactly equal hand, really, you know, equal
1: employment laws, you know equal pay laws, like all this stuff um,
0: even with her husband working has sort of a her husband is still progressive but still
1: also saying like i 'm not sure you can do this right um, I tend to bristle at the idea that people kind of get famous when we decide we want them to be famous, or that people get important when we as a culture decide that we want them to be important now when in reality she's been a model of woman empowerment for for 50 plus years Um, you know let's make a hundred documentaries about her they can make a documentary on every aspect of her life um, and maybe someone should do it Um, I I don't like that it's I don't love that it's tied to this idea that she's like this documentary's creation is tied to the idea that she's become like a pulp or a pop culture icon just makes me it just makes me a little uncomfortable. I mean, I could
0: see this as like an introduction. <laughs> Maybe I, I still, I guess I have still not seen it. It'll definitely be probably end of your discussion when mm-hmm. we talk about top documentaries, um, or even next time we do the doc block if I, if I get a chance to see it mm-hmm. or the what's up talk or the doc with us. Um, <laughs> I could see it being an intro, but I guess if it, if it frames it on both ends, that'd yeah. be problematic. But like an intro to like go like, y'all, everyone's interested in her now. Well, let's say a story of they, like why I mean, you should be.
1: And towards the end of the movie, they kind of explain it and they say, you know, roughly the same thing that you said, and that I just mentioned, is that people were looking for a symbol and she became that symbol and she is an inherently worthy symbol, um, but she has been that symbol for years and years and years and years and years and years and years. And years, and years, and years. Um, I don't know I just it feels like another version of the culture kind of dictating people's value when they when they need it and when they want it um but other than that, it's you know a fairly exceptional film about a incredibly exceptional human being Amen.
0: on a much less similar note, but still similar in terms of exceptionalism in Mm -hmm. in beings. I, this past weekend, had the pleasure of seeing Free Sildo.
1: Does it feel different to be up there without a rope?
0: It's obviously like much higher consequence. People who know a little bit about climbing, they're like, oh, he's totally safe. And then people who really know exactly what he's doing are freaked out. I've thought about El Cap like for years, and every year, I'm like, that's really scary. I'll never be content unless I at least put in the effort. El Cap is the most impressive wall on Earth. It's 3,200 feet of sheer granite. It's the center of the rock climbing universe. Obviously, I get interview questions about it all the time. Oh, would you like to do that? You're like, "Yes, for sure, um that details Alex Hunnold, a free climber, uh frankly unfamiliar, that is a climber who will climb large scale mountains or um, bouldering or climbing paths without any gear, so if they fail or have an incorrect move of any sort of part, they tend to uh cease to live <laughs> to put it kindly um and his Attempts to be the first climber to free solo El Capitan in Yosemite. Mm -hmm. He had previously climbed Half Dome, some of the more complex mountains in Zion and Morocco. Uh, This is a National Geographic documentary. And so, in many ways, you you expect kind of similar um, heavy focus on nature, heavy focus on the individual, but framed with their experience with nature. And this. Does not do that mm-hmm. to its extreme uh, benefit. It's it's an interesting human interest tale. Um, Alex Hunold is, is a very interesting person. Early on in the film, he gets a functional MRI done uh, because he thinks that there must be something wrong with him because he's absolutely and perfectly content with his climbing. He doesn't feel the same amount of fears or tensions. He's more unsettled less about dying than he is about his friends who are filming him because he does his career free soloing mm-hmm. um watching him die and in his functional mri it turns out that his amygdala is much less activated it takes extreme measures of fear or tension to activate his amygdala so his, basically his concept of fear seems dimmed hmm. And that's funneled really nicely with the fact that he's never attached himself to somebody. His, Mm -hmm. his father, they they talk about his father and his, his mother relationship. And it's a really kind of formal relationship. His father died when he was 19, which Mm -hmm. kind of set him on the path of leaving school. He was at uh, Berkeley, um, to then pursue free solo climbing. He had been a climber for most of his life. Um, but he doesn't commit himself to other people because he feels that in many ways he, he keeps repeating that other people kind of hold him back that, that they they become a cloud mm-hmm. in his head cuz he's not really afraid obviously but he doesn't want them to experience his death um he he writes a book in 2005 or he meets his girl a girlfriend uh he'd had various relationships so he meets his girlfriend Sandy um, McCandless in 2015 on a book tour of, um, I don't have the novel in his hand, I believe it's called Up in the Air. Hal will correct me and yell at me later if I'm wrong. <laughs> um, a, he kind of, like early on, this documentary starts around that time when he's on that book tour and kind of follows him because he's been planning every year to climb El Capitan to be the first one to free solo it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's a 3,000 foot climb with uh, that that's 11 and 12 great so like medium level climbs uh, v11 v12 so medium level climbs when you're climbing (laughs) without a rope Mm -hmm. 1500 feet up that that's an extremely dangerous like no me you are not going to be ever doing that
1: i can assure you i will not
0: i won't be doing that with a rope (laughs) um and this movie does a really smart job of of transitioning him from this kind of not socially inept human being but a human being who has this it it leads you to say it doesn't ever say this but has has this like less activated amygdala Mm -hmm. it doesn't have a a shield basically so everything he says is really blunt Mm -hmm. um he talks about how girlfriends come and go friends come and go nothing matters if i fall i die who cares i'm just dead one die like one of his friends says it'd be weird to watch him stop existing, cool. um, and so there's just this extreme bluntness mm. to the film, and just watching somebody who doesn't have that shield planning this climb. He goes through various injuries. He he's climbing with his girlfriend, who's who's actually a pretty accomplished climber from her for person. She's climbing early parts of the grade of El Capitan with him, mm-hmm. you know. The, your your weekend climber is not going to be able to do this. And he says she's barely a climber, just because he doesn't have this kind of, like, shield, this, this social, like, mm-hmm. fear. Um, and they're climbing, and one day she lets go of the rope, and he uh, sprains his ankle, and he says, like, I almost broke up with her then. Um, and so it deals with, like, his his downfalls and, like, trying to prepare himself for climbing it. Um, and a big part of it is, like, she's she's really enamored with him and enamored with with how his honestness and his earnestness and she mm-hmm. a big things about her saying I love you and he doesn't at all say that he doesn't even want to put that in his head uh, there's a part where she's talking about trying to like thinking about if he wants to step away from it he can and he says he's like well if you die don't judge feel like you'd miss anything and he says I in no way feel obligated to maximize lifetime to his girlfriend That's of awesome. a year now. You know he just doesn't there's there's no this is his thing he needs he wants to be the first to climb el capitan he his thought is he could be the first one and somebody else will you know take the next step from there but he has to take this step uh-huh. um and so this relationship between him and his girlfriend just becomes the interesting kind of dynamic mm-hmm. um as he has his pratfalls and his his setbacks um this culminates with everything building into various parts of the climb where he, he climbs this route with a rope, you know, hundreds of times. Um, there's a part where he has one of two options to climb. Uh, there's a 90-degree angle where it's basically almost a sheer cliff face and he has to shimmy up. He does, he can't do that, and it leads to this really complex boulder move. Um, I don't know the V-grade on it. And this movie is 100% if you're a climber of any sort. Mm-hmm. Like, I went with four boulders for people who you know spend their weekends every week bouldering uh-huh. um this movie leans into it heavily there is a part where he makes a four-minute discussion about how he has to crimp his thumbs and blah 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 and it doesn't at all like explain to you what that means it just is like you know if you know the shit you're gonna you, do yeah. it but having i mean i climbed for a while it wasn't my thing i prefer weight lifting heavy weights ladies um <laughs> But even from my limited knowledge, I know that the fact that he's has to do a transition move during this boulder climb, of crimping one finger, one thumb in, and transitioning to the other thumb while also moving his legs, while a quarter of a mile off the ground, is insane. Mm-hmm. And it does such a it maximizes this fear. Early on in the film, it shows him climbing with ropes or even free climbing other builds, and it just. This is a movie that if you want to see it, see in theaters mm-hmm. because it, it. I don't even know if it was shot in IMAX, but if you have the opportunity to see in the IMAX, do because it. Even when they have ropes, you're looking at this going, "Holy shit!" Uh, you know, just it is the scary. <laughs> I saw this the day after I saw Halloween, and this is the scariest movie of the year by oh, far. Nice. Um, and so it culminates in this in this bouldering move, and he's able to do it. You know, you know, you know, he does it because you know he's still alive. <laughs> Oh, um, <laughs> man. Spoilers, But Mario. But you're watching it, and I swear to God, everyone, the, the theater was packed when I saw it. I was actually, there was some climbers about three seats down, and this guy tells you the, the, the setting for this film, that had drank about six IPAs while watching this movie, so definitely should be pivotal film listeners. So they were drunk, but like, this entire setting was just like this, this, this kind of concert experience, and, and you could see them all lean forward in their seat during this because like oh my god he's gonna fall it's like everyone knows he's not but it's filmed so yeah. well and so expertly they think he will and eventually he gets to the top and he calls his girlfriend he's basically almost crying at this point and um it, he says like he's just like oh blah 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 he talks to her and he says oh I love you and hangs up the phone and the movie doesn't at all rest on that but I mean, you know we talk a lot with documentaries about like kind of like emotional manipulation um and this might not have been the first time he told her, I love you. Uh, they have already bought a house together at this point earlier in the film, but this is the first time in the film you hear he say, him say, I love you. And it doesn't like say like her response to it. It doesn't do a music cue. He just says, I love you, hangs up, and then moves on to the next scene. You're like, oh, nice. Because he's like, cause it's, it's a nice, it, this is so well narratively framed in the fact that he's now accomplished this. That he's able to be a person mm-hmm. almost. That he's now able to think about her. Um, and it immediately uh, soon afterwards falls a scene with like, what's your next climb going to be? And he's like, I don't know. It's for somebody else. And he's like, now I'm just going to go kind of like hanging on my car and kind of lift myself and like practice for climbing. Still like climbing, still a part of my life. But like, I got this done. Now I'm going to focus on people. Mm-hmm. And it's, for, for a movie that's a really well done sort of nature documentary National Geographic documentary, to have that such a human feel and for such a human who's so different than everyone else is just amazing it's mm. It's a really fun experience. Um, I don't know necessarily if it's it's profound in any way. it doesn't make you like it doesn't punch you in the gut often. There's a couple times he talks about climbers he knew who were kind of friends. Um, one died Mm -hmm. while he was filming. He's like, oh, I guess he had a bad climbing day. But just his way of like mentioning it, it's just like, it doesn't like punch you in the gut. It's just like, just, it's an introduction to this weird individual, and this really unique individual. Mm. But it's so enthralling, not just in the climb, but in seeing how this man sees the world. And hopefully this is one of the ones that's in the discussion at the end of the year. Hopefully this pushes shit like three identical strangers to the bottom. Because this is You know, I think nature documentaries or documentaries kind of based on that typically or sports or whatnot typically aren't really – Our nature sports at least aren't typically kind of in the forefront. But this is something I think does it extremely well, especially that the director was one of his best friends and is there filming it as he's climbing. It kind of does that – like
1: there's a lot of narratives going on Mm -hmm. and they blend together so well. Well, it's making a bunch of money and people are going to see it and as it's opening – you know, I think it's fairly wide now. Maybe it picks up a few more screens. I think it's. I think it's probably yeah. at the way It's probably two thousand screens. But right it's now. going. I mean, it's it's gonna meet up with R B G and like our next movie at some point. You know. Yeah, in,
0: and if you're not, even if you're not a climate person, or in these nature documentaries, like, there's something there. There's it's there. Like that's a movie for for everyone. Well, I mean,
1: I hate nature. Uh, actively despise nature, but you know, all of those, you know. Um, National Geographic, you know, planet Earth-type stuff, you know, framed properly is fascinating. It's endlessly fascinating. Because
0: it's interesting to see somebody who does love nature and...
1: (laughs) And ask what's wrong with that guy. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And this is the movie that makes you really ask what's wrong with that guy. Um, But no, it's it's pretty great. It's uh, my second favorite documentary of the year. What is my first, Tom? Um... Four Identical Strangers? The sequel yeah, to the Three trip. Identical Strangers? I found a fourth one. And this time, he is an actual Nazi. Oh, who What a twist. Oh, God, maybe... And his name, I believe, is Fred Rogers.
1: Oh, we're doing that? <laughs> we're associating Mr. Rogers <laughs> with the Nazis? Somebody's got to do it, right? I'm sure, sure Trump will soon. Um, your favorite documentary of the year is Won't You Be My Neighbor? So far of the year. We're not going to set it down. Yeah, I... Is there going to be a whole bunch of, a rash of really interesting documentaries? Mind
0: the Gap is in crime and, um, crime slash New York PD, uh, documentaries also. Those, those two are getting a lot of buzz. They could, yeah, but we're going to talk about, will not you be my neighbor? will not you be my neighbor?
1: Won't you be my neighbor?
0: Well, I suppose it's an invitation. It's an invitation for somebody to be close to you. The greatest thing that we can do is to help somebody know that they're loved and capable of loving. Won't you please, won't you please,
1: please won't you be my neighbor? Directed by Morgan Neville, who won an Oscar. In 2000, uh first 2013 movie, 20 Feet from Stardom. Never saw that one. Did you see that? Um, but he also directed Best of Enemies, uh, the Buckley vs. Um, Vidal movie. I don't, think, Vidal. I, I don't think I've any seen any of his films. I've seen pieces of that one. Um, I saw the Search and Destroy Iggy Pop and the Stooges uh, movie, which is which is excellent. So has he done a lot of like pop... Culture
0: sort of documentary so far.
1: Yeah, so he's kind of turning into, and I kind of made this point off air. Um, he's kind of turning in. He made you know he made a Keith Richards movie. Um, he's kind of turning into a, a, a pop culture Alex Gibney almost, where he's just turning out a new, very quality documentary almost every year. It seems like um, this year he actually has um, he directed the uh, Orson Welles, "The Love You When I'm Dead." Otherwise, documentary that's coming be out on released, Netflix. Right. That, that could be in contention. That could be in contention too. So um, he's doing a lot of things correctly. Um, this movie made over $22 million at the box office, which, as I mentioned earlier, I think is the highest grossing uh, documentary that focuses on a single subject, you know, a bi- documentary biopic. Um, it tells. <sighs> I don't know how we want to frame this. Because I don't think it tells it is, the life of Fred Rogers. It, it
0: is a story in a divisive period of America, which is now, about one man with fairly conservative, very conservative ideas, but that didn't matter, who, who try and transcended the political spectrum in order to reach the most vulnerable population, and how he did that without any sort of pretense... Without any sort of ideation beyond reaching children and letting them know that no matter how scary and how divisive and how weird the world is, things can be all right. You can make a difference. Mm-hmm. I think that's the best way of describing it.
1: Well, I think, I mean, but it's interesting in from the sense that it wants to be, you almost want to say like it's uh, Fred Rogers by Epic. In the sense that it's and it is deal, a part it's like it definitely deals with his of, young life and goes up really but really more about establishing and analyzing his ideas and about child development and the needs of of the universal needs of children um more so than it is about. Really documenting really closely, like this happened when he was a kid, and then this happened when he was a kid, and then he got involved in this, and then this, and this, and this. And this. It's really more so about the um, trajectory of his of his philosophies and the trajectory of his um, his ideas on uh, on you know child development.
0: Yeah, every, everything that details his early life is only told around the basis of how that influenced. his vision of of teaching children Mm -hmm. and reaching children
1: and so there's one point when like the stage manager of of you know mr rogers neighborhood is like i'm not going to tell you any of the weird stuff that happened you know the documentary the documentarian's like oh just one he's like no and you almost get the sense that because the weird stuff isn't you know, expose-level weirdness. It's not shocking. It's not, you know, it's not gotcha. It's not dropping some kind of weird, perverted bombshell on this whole thing. It's just kind of like the day-to-day things that people went through that were really close to each other or well, making, yeah, and I think, you know, I think the 1,500 only, episodes of a show or whatever. It's I think not the only, like, weirdness.
0: window they give you to that is, like, the, the the photocopy of his butt that Mr. Rogers then made a poster of for him. So something right. that's
1: still innocuous. Exactly, and it's not so it leads you and I don't, and it's one of the things, you know, and this kind of goes back to my conversation um, from that earlier episode of, of the old man and the gun in regards to like, I'm not sure how my earlier
0: episode, we mean the last episode, the last
1: episode. I don't know when we're going to post this, but um, <laughs> about how is this movie manipulative at all? Or is this just, how it was and part of me wants a very large part of me wants to believe and does believe that this is this is just him there is obviously every day wasn't the best day of his life he there was probably some kind of marital strife he probably you know had some kind of well, thing with his you, kids at some point or whatever they provide you a window to that though they provide you a window to those 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 problems sure but i think the thing that is interesting about this movie is that a normal documentary would hammer on those things and would try to draw you into making contrary conclusions about fred rogers which they kind of tackle like oh was mr rogers gay was mr rogers like a marine navy seal sniper um but everyone kind of stands pat by like, no, this is just him. This is just what he did. Like he lived for this. He found the thing that he wanted to do with his whole life. And he just did it until he just couldn't really do it anymore. Yeah. And it even
0: mentions like how, you know, some of the things later on in life kind of like not broken, but as the world kind of sped up, like that—that that is kind of the vulnerability there. Like his, his dealing when he comes out of retirement for talk about nine eleven, yeah. Um, I don't care if this movie is like like manipulative in any way. It It is trying to reach a thesis. I, I you know, a, a, and documentaries are always going to manipulate emotions. They get tens of thousands of hours of footage and are going to cut it down to a certain amount of time. And that is going to tell a story or it's going to do what three identical strangers did and just kind of tell a meandering nonsense. Um, I firmly believe this was this was told to like just pursue the goodness in you to be to exemplify that example.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, but I think my point is that I don't know if it has to be. I don't know if it has to be made to do that, or if the story inherently just does. Oh it. no, exactly. You know what I, mean? I would
0: agree, and 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 the fact that that's a question kind of speaks to the excellence of it the fact that we don't know if it's manipulating us or if it just, this man was truly that great, um, speaks volumes. He, he, there's two parts. I, I think this is a movie that, that people are going to like, this is renowned so far for being a movie that people have been blubbering through and walking out crying through. Mm-hmm. And, uh, two parts got to me. One, one part, uh, I don't know why it was just, just him talking to Coco for some reason. Really oh got yeah, to me. yeah. Yeah. Um, but the part that really got to me, speaking to this point, is uh, when he's talking to Francois Clemens um, early on.
1: Which part? Which which? Uh, where
0: he says, you know, when he talks about like leaving the, the gay club, and says, you know, you can't do that again uh, while you're on the show because of, of sponsors. Mm-hmm. And then it immediately goes into, you know, how two years later, Mr. Rogers came up to him and goes, you know, you're my neighbor, and you've always been my neighbor and he starts crying to that and saying like how at that moment he realized that was a father he never had Mm -hmm. and and that shows like the flaw like it does show the moment of of vulnerability and flaw like in mr rogers of his time in the fact that you know he at that moment made the decision to put this man's personal life slightly on the back burner for what he felt was a greater good of uh, presenting this kind of like show to children Mm -hmm. but how that man saw through that and saw through. Whatever flaws we're talking about, you know, that, like that marital strife or, or whatever problems this Fred Rogers might have had, mm-hmm. that the people closest to him knew that those flaws that may, may exist, that, that they refused to talk about the juicy, slightly juicy stuff that might been happening behind the scenes because that is not who he ex- – what he exemplified matters right. so much more than that. He is an idea. You know, I mean, I mean, he's a human being, but also more, more than that, he's
1: well, he's a fully realized embodiment of his worldview. Yeah, which is kind of amazing. Um, I think his worldview is so like unhuman in many ways. Well, inhuman, so in, well,
0: inhuman in the sense of of what you expect from a Hollywood or documentary
1: narrative. Well, it's an, it's, it's it's interesting because it's anachronistic to the world that he lived in his whole life. Um, it's
0: anachronistic to all world, like well, all time, I almost. Mean, you know.
1: And So just to go back to the um, Francois Clemens thing, like when he's first on the show, and um, they're going through all the civil rights stuff, and you know he invites him, you know, to take his to take his shoes off and to soak his feet in the cool in the cool water, and you know they have their their you you know, and they show the.
0: The, what a, the, what so, a Christ allegory that was, Jesus.
1: But even, uh, yeah, but it's, they... But that's interesting. It's great because a it's... a
0: point, too, to, to a degree. It's great, way.
1: too, because it's really knowing, and everyone acknowledges that it was really knowing, and that he was going for the message, and he wanted people to read into it. It wasn't as simple as him just kind of, you know... He wasn't making just, like, a general statement about anything. He wanted people to see it, and to be confronted with this image, which was, you know, juxtaposed against a bunch of white people putting chemicals into a pool, so you know the African Americans in it would get out. Um, you know, he's sharing this space with with a black man um, on children's television, though. You know, it means doing all that stuff on children's television. And, and I think that's that's what strikes me
0: too, and that's why I think. This is so exceptional is the fact of in light of the divisive world, um, where especially one side is kind of arguing towards traditional values and towards like t- towards very Christian, you know, ideologies. But I, I I think the washing of the feet's important and making that such a huge narrative point in the fact of like doesn't even really mention the ideas of you know Christ washing the feet of you know somebody that tried to wash her his feet mm-hmm. you know the the fact of washing the feet of the neighbor washing that that's a big thing of the neighbor of the of the family mm-hmm. and like saying like like at the same time while well, it's not only exemplifying the examples of what we should live by also saying like look in the fucking mirror yeah to the co- to the modern world and to the people who are who are practicing that holier than now ideology and saying like listen this man exemplified the ideas you're trying to put forth which is
1: great when all those holier than thou people that like misrepresent Christian ideology then try to like denigrate Mr. Rogers for and say weakening. entitlement society yeah. yeah which is just total bullshit i mean it was it's actually a fairly i mean i would say i would say this is i mean i haven't seen rbg but this is one of the more
0: political <laughs> documentaries of the year rbg's fairly political
1: um, yeah, like, but it both they both kind of do something similar in the sense that they're making a case for a kind of blind humanity, where the only thing that you should be held accountable for is being a human, and there's not they're not separating, they're not drawing lines. They're actually very specifically both trying to like abolish lines to abolish, you know, this kind of di- social division and, you know, maybe not gender division from Mr. Rogers standpoint, but a little bit, um, and that's and I- just all these inherent that we think are inherent divisions. They're both, they're both stories about people that are trying to break that stuff apart using rationalism and love. And that's why, and that's why
0: maybe that Coco scene got to me so much. Um, And I think this is probably an example of of decent framing and slight emotional manipulation in the narrative is the fact that like that's kind of put into the middle of that narrative. And it's like this animal that's not conditioned in our society, just trying to exemplify love to this person who expresses love and saying like, this is a universal thing. Like get over your shit. Exemplify this decency. See, but I didn't
1: think that that's not, I think that scene is not manipulative from the sense that um, you have his kid, one of his kids talking right, right before that about how weird it was. You know what I mean? So he, they're not kind of saying like, oh, was this really you great know, Yeah. Like they frame it right before that being like, oh, and there was that weird thing with the monkey. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's And it even
0: shows like Fred Rogers kind of like slight discomfort in that part too. Like you kind of see <laughs> him kind of like, on, you can see he's slightly uncomfortable with this creature that could kill him, you know? But... Like it humanizes, it's like that works to humanize Fred Rogers, but also just goes beyond the fact that, like, he was still living his message. Mm. And I think this movie just so totally rests in how much that message needs to be lived, especially in this time and, like, in all times.
1: Yeah, it's a fairly.
0: Oh, where's this, where's this stand in terms of your. Lists so far of the year? In terms of, like, movies? Uh, like, documentaries.
1: Oh. Um, I don't know. Maybe one. We'll see. It's
0: like this and three identical strangers. I of, I actively I I mean
1: dislike three identical strangers. No, yeah. Um, and it actually... It
0: and I think I think maybe, like, a quick... I think a quick summation yeah, <laughs> of everything. Um,
1: notes from Dolbane... It's fine. Dublin, yeah. It's good. It's it's a good proof of concept. Um, Three Identical Strangers is terrible.
0: Three Identical Strangers, I think, is interesting. For somebody who is newer to documentaries and for some reason is so convinced that they need to watch only documentaries from the present year, they should watch the documentaries from mentioned in the second first. And then, before they convince themselves that all documentaries are good, they should watch this and realize that not all documentaries are good. And that Mm -hmm. sometimes... They are a dumpster fire thrown into a pit of lava. Well,
1: you have to, you have to acknowledge that sometimes um, a really interesting concept or a really interesting backstory doesn't always yield an interesting documentary. No. Um, so this actually seems like it would be a fairly good, if it had, this would probably be a fairly good New Yorker article, if it had some answers or, or some if, questions if, to answer. Or if a
0: more competent seasoned docu- documentarian Gotten their hands on it, um, um and after that, I, for me, free solo is definitely worth a watch, especially in theaters.
1: Yeah, RBG, and I mean, you can link RB, RBG and Won't You Be My Neighbor are uh, can be linked in so many ways. And it would be interesting if you know somebody this year kind of if they ended up winning like sharing a lot of best documentary I think, awards.
0: I think these last three films. Are gonna be big I think, contenders. I yeah. think Free Soul is gonna be in there just as kind of like the human interest piece every year, but I think RBG and Won't You Be My Neighbor are gonna be the two competing
1: for the awards. And if you were just I mean I don't know. I don't wanna t- think three three identical strangers will also be there. I don't want to be too emotionally manipulative myself, but like if you just kind of need a boost, um uh, like a shot in the arm of of compassion and love I mean, you can't do any better than RBG and and Won't You Be My Neighbor. Yeah, Won't
0: You Be My Neighbor really... Especially if you've been feeling like you need to be a bit better. Won't You Be My Neighbor is definitely a well, good movie to my... like put a mirror to yourself and be like, oh, okay. Won't You Be My Neighbor That's... makes you want to be yeah.
1: a better a better person, like in general. RBG makes you want to be a better citizen. It's so like good companion pieces. Yeah, not even a better... And if you're not going to be a better citizen, at least you're going to be better informed on the minutiae of how our government works. And what the people that are actually fighting for something in our stupid government are actually fighting for. And it's not just their jobs. It's for other people's jobs. It's for other people's lives. It's for other people's benefit. And why it matters that
0: Neil Gorish and Brett Kavanaugh just stumbled into the supreme court They
1: drunkenly stumbled in
0: one of them drunkenly stumbled with in a, with a free even,
1: pass to trump hotels forever I, would have, and, I
0: wouldn't even be surprised if neil gorwish has even seen a bottle of liquor without like demanding it be like removed from his godly presence
1: he has a very white hair yeah all right well on that's that note <laughs> it for our bonus episode
0: uh i think we're, we'll be doing this probably again sometime in december yeah we'll get a there's a bunch of stuff that's um there's a couple so that's already of out, that Hulu We still got to watch. There's more things. I don't have a Hulu membership. I'll, I'll sign up for one. Well, we second. got you know. So there's behind the gap. Mind we got
1: the um, the film worker movie, which is that um, that documentary about that guy who worked with Stanley Kubrick for all those years. Is like his personal I mean, assistant. I haven't heard of that uh, one. Which you know was it played in a bunch of big festivals. You have the uh, Orson Welles movie um, that's coming out. Um, there's 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 the uh, there's
0: some more things. There's the the crime punish crime of punishment. I think the um, NYPD uh, documentary. It's on Hulu. Mm. That's supposed to be a big contender. Um, we'll probably talk about... We'll try to talk about all those uh, next time on Fill in the Blank, because next time we'll also have a title for this show. Whether you had anything to do with it or not. And if you want to vote for that, uh, go on to our poll at com slash filmpivotal, and also talk about... You know, convince us about why Three Identical Strangers is a movie worth your 90 minutes. You will not convince us, but you can make the attempt. Uh, you can also look at pictures unrelated to this special episode on Instagram.com <laughs> slash Pivotal Film.
1: Um, you can email us about whatever, you know, your life story if you want us to make a documentary about you. We cannot you promise it be should good. should make a documentary about us. Um, And we will also very much
0: guarantee that's not going to be good. It will often end on Sundays with me being very drunk and asleep
1: (laughs) in my bed at 9 o'clock after kickball. Oh, that sounds awesome. Um you can if you also want to so be single. If you also want to be drunk and asleep in Mario's bed at nine o'clock after kickball, you can email us at PivotalfilmPodcast at gmail And I will
0: very quickly put a restraining order <laughs> against you, but that's okay.
1: Um you can go to pivotalfilm.com and see a list of the beers we drank and the movies on our lists and uh, as a side beer to our, our subscriptions. I was
0: drinking Dogfish Head Indian Brown Dark IPA during this special episode. Pretty decent for a mm. uh, IPA during a nice October night. I was drinking water. Oh, the, uh, what's the what's the ABV on that? If you put some malt, some yeast, some hops in there, you'd <laughs> have had yourself a
1: nice stew. Some beer, yeah. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go make that experiment. I'm gonna go do some experiments right now. Yeah, but what you should do, see a movie. We could be here. We'll talk to you in a few days, I guess. A Whenever this comes out, yeah. yeah. <laughs> good, good.